It is such an honor to be able to come before you this morning. It is such an honor to be able to be in your house. And Father, I thank you for every single person here and we bind every distraction. And Father, I pray that we would not leave without everything that you have for us. That this would not become common, Father, that we would not just be warming our seat, but we would be here, Father, as active participants in what you have for us this morning. And we thank you that one word from you will change our lives forever. And we never wanna take that for granted. It is such an honor to be able to be here. It is an honor to be seen as your sons, as your daughters. And we thank you even for this season and the gift that you have given us this season, the gift that we get to celebrate, the gift of your son. And we're so thankful for that. That life is forever changed, that life is forever turned around because of you sending Jesus on our behalf. The ultimate gift, and we're so thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can high five somebody. If they're close, you don't have to run around or you can just grab a seat, whatever works best for you. My dad said to tell everyone hello. He has been dealing with some nerve issues in his leg that he had shared a couple weeks ago, um, but he is on the uphill of that. And so he said, thank you very, very much for everyone that has been praying for him, um, that it very much so appreciates it. And if that will continue, but he's on the uphill. He loves you guys. He's praying for you guys. And then also with that, um, I know in our staff meetings, just kind of some of the stuff that he's talked about, but guys, our Christmas service is going to be absolutely incredible. And I love Christmas. I love Christmas. I'm like the total Hallmark movie Christmas. Everything needs to be bigger and glamorous. And I, I love Christmas, all things Christmas. I would live in a town called Christmas where it was Christmas all year round. Like I would be that person. Um, but I love our Christmas service, A, because I'm that person, but I love our Christmas service, B, for the fact that there's a lot of people that will only come to church on Christmas, and so there's a lot of people that maybe in our sphere of influence that we've invited to church, and they're like, nah, that's not going to happen, but then you say, will you come to church with me because it's Christmas, and they'll come with you, and we know that, as we have said, that there's not a word from God that can return void that he withholds no good thing. So just what if the people that we invited from our family, the people that we invited that God has put in our influence, just what if they did receive one word from God that day in their lives, their families, their the history is forever changed because of that one word. And so it's important that we look at where has God placed us? Where has he planted us? Who has he planted us around? And there are influence. That's who we've been created to reach. And so invite those people. So invite um, whoever, but join us for that Sunday. It's going to be absolutely incredible. I'm very excited. We have a lot coming up in the new year as well. The fast kicks off at the beginning of the new year. And then my dad shared a little bit about even direction in some of the series that he's headed in January. And it's, it's going to be phenomenal. So there's lots of expectation for all of the things to come. So I'm excited and I'm excited for the word today. So if you will, actually, I'm going to share some statistics, and then I'll give you a scripture. But I'm going to share some statistics with you um, that I actually had to look up twice because I went, I think I wrote those down wrong and had to go back and reread them. But the first one is, and this is all Christian people. This is not America as a whole. The, inner, or the statistics that we are looking at are for Christian people. So it says, the average American Christian spends 21 minutes a month in prayer. A month. That's where I thought I wrote it down wrong because I went, surely that's daily, not monthly. No, no, a month. That is 42 seconds a day. 42 seconds a day in prayer. That is it. And then the average American Christian spends 13 minutes a month in the Word. 13 minutes a month. That is 26 seconds a day in the Word. They said that it is the equivalent of getting the verse of the day on your phone and reading it a couple times and calling it good. That that is how much word that we're getting, that is how much prayer that we're getting. And then, statistically, it goes on to say that only 20% of Christian Americans attend church every week. 41% attend once a month, and 57% are seldom or never or when it's convenient. That's where the Church of America is today. It blew my mind. 42 seconds in prayer, 
26 seconds a day in the word. And only 20% of believers believe to even be planted in the house of God. It's just absolutely crazy. But then there's all these blessings that we want. But then we don't know why we're not producing fruit. We wonder where God is. Why isn't God coming through on my behalf? Why don't I see him? And this is not to be, I told first service, this is not to be a condemning message. This is to be absolutely a convicting message because I believe in messages need to burn a little bit so we can have some muscle when we leave, right? And so we need that. We need some like, not gonna leave the same way that we came. But that's where the church of America is right now. That, that's the state. But then when we actually read the word of God, it says to pray without ceasing. That does not sound like 42 seconds a day. It says that we should meditate on the word day and night, that we should not let it depart from our mouth. That's a lot more than 26 seconds a day, right? And then it says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish, not those who visit or casually attend. It says that those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. So this is what the word of God says, but then statistically, we're living completely opposite. Here's some other statistics, because when we say that, the number one, I've taught a whole lot of Bible studies, the number one feedback I get, no matter what, when I say, how's your time in the word? How's your time in prayer? It doesn't matter if we're meeting with somebody, it doesn't matter if we're in a counseling session, it doesn't matter if we're in a Bible study, it doesn't matter. How's your time in the word? How's your time in prayer? The number one response I get is I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time to be in the word. I don't have time to be in prayer. I'm just so busy. But... If we look at more statistics, the average American spends two hours and 24 minutes on social media a day. That's not monthly, that's daily. Two hours and 24 minutes. That means every spare minute you have and some, we're scrolling and looking and posting and reading and whatever else. We're two hours and 24 minutes a day. That's a lot of hours. That's like a full day by the end of the week. Like, yeah. So much, this is crazy to me. The average American checks their phone 159 times a day. Like, picks up to check it. You could literally attach a note card with a scripture on the front of it and at least read it 159 times a day. Like, that would make a difference. And then the average American spends four hours minimum a day watching television. But we don't have time. Four hours minimum. So my question is, do we not have time or do we just not make time? Because if we can spend two hours and 24 minutes a day on social media and only 26 seconds a day reading the word of God, 42 seconds a day in prayer, it says something. And again, not in a condemning way. And I know you guys, this isn't referring to any of you. You're the ones that like set the curve for the rest of the statistics, right? So that's, yeah. So this is just for you to know about everyone else first service. It was those people, not you. But (laughs) I want us to be aware of where the state of our country is. But then I want us to see, because what we're going to be talking about today is do we live a potted life or do we live a planted, planted life? And our fruit is going to reveal that. And I want us to see the fruit of our country, but I want us to also take an honest assessment of the fruit of our lives. What fruit is being produced in our life? Are we living in fear and praying for peace? Are we living in depression and anxiety and frustration and grinchiness and praying for love and praying for joy? Are we living scattered and and out of order and, and praying for God's order to come through? Are we living one way, the fruit of our life is one way where I'm not seeing the fruit of God's word in my life. I'm not seeing the fruit of the spirit. I'm not seeing the blessings that it says that I have access to. I'm not seeing any of the results of the word in my life. I'm praying for the results of the word in my life, but I'm not seeing them. If that's the case, there's an area here that are we firmly planted in what God's word says? Are we firmly planted in who he is? Are we planted in his house? Are we planted to the place that we can flourish and produce fruit? Or are we praying for fruit in a place that we're not planted and we're not going to put the work in to be planted? If the farmers, if everyone here, we live in a farming community, if all of the farmers at this moment said, we decided that we're fair weather farmers and we're gonna go to Hawaii until August, we'll be back for harvest. 
and they all left right now. All of them. But they came back in August. Would they have a harvest? No. There's no harvest. Why? There was no effort put in. There was no planting put in. There was no watering and stewarding the ground. There was nothing put in in order to get the harvest that they were seeking. But I wonder in our lives if we don't do the same thing that, God, I'm a fair weather Christian. I don't do the hard times and the bad times and the circumstantial times and the convicting times and the confronting times. I don't do any of that. I'm going to stay comfy over here, but I want to see the harvest of your word when I come back. I want to see the harvest of your word when I say amen. But I'm a fair weather Christian. Where are we? So if we were to take an honest assessment, what fruit is really being produced in our life? Or do we have an atmosphere of peace in our homes? Do we have an atmosphere of love in our homes? Do we abide by the standard of the word of God that no matter what, this is final authority? That I don't, even if it hurts, even if it bothers me, if I gotta put my flesh aside to do what this says to do, I'm gonna do it because I'm planted there. I'm gonna be planted in the house because that's where I'm gonna flourish. I can't flourish and not be planted. It's biblical, it's what the word of God says. And so are we potted in our lives or are we planted in our lives? And we're gonna look at what both of those mean. So I'd like to flip over, let's go to Jeremiah 17. Thanks, Warren. He even came to first service. He must be the curve setter. All right, I'm gonna read it in the message first and then I'm gonna read it in the New King James. But I love the way the message phrases it. I just think, I don't know, it's humorous to me and I like to have a good time. When I read, so God's message. Cursed is the strong one who depends on mere humans. Oh, is man our source? Am I my source? I know we only read one line and you're like, got it, we'll go home now. But I gotta keep reading, there's more, it gets better. Who thinks he can make it on muscle alone? My favorite line. And sets God aside as dead weight. And sets God aside is dead weight. God, I love what your word has to say. I know scripture. I was raised in church. I, I know who you are. I know, God, I know all of those things. But um, I don't actually want to obey it fully, just the parts that I like. So I'm just going to set you aside for a moment, and I'm going to take this in my own hands. I don't actually like the plan you had for my family. I don't actually like the fact that I'm going to have to wait on you to see this through. I don't like the fact... So I'm just gonna set it aside for a minute and I'll get back to it when you have the answer for me. But we wanna skip the process. We wanna skip the planting. We wanna skip the tending and the stewarding and the work that is going to take on our part. God wants to partner with us and work in us and work through us. He never said he wanted to do anything for us. The only thing that he did for us was send Jesus. But even then, we have to be the ones to receive him. So there's our part to play in all of this. He is like a tumbleweed on the prairie. Out of touch with the good earth, he lives rootless and aimless in a land where nothing grows. I set God aside and now I'm a dried up tumbleweed. And some of us feel like that in life. You're like, yeah, I don't know what good ground feels like anymore. I don't know what it feels like to flourish. I'm just blown here, blown there. It's hot. I feel dried up. I feel like there's no life and I feel like I have no access to life. But if we keep reading, it says, but blessed is the man who trusts me, God. The woman who sticks with God. They're like trees replanted in Eden, putting down roots near the rivers, never a worry through the hottest of summers, never dropping a leaf, serene and calm through droughts, bearing fresh fruit in every season. In every season. That means in the good times, in the bad times, in the hard times, in the times that I don't understand. In every season, I can produce fruit. It had nothing to do with what circumstance came the way of either of these two scenarios. It had everything to do with where they were planted. One was planted and trusted in man. The other was planted and trusted in God. One is a tumbleweed. One is firmly planted and never ceases to bear fruit. Their, their roots, it says that their leaves don't even wither up. And then if we keep reading, because here's what happens. When we get to the tumbleweed effect and we find out I've been living a potted lifestyle, I rely on myself, I rely on my flesh, I rely on man. I, I don't trust God. 
I'm not planted in the word of God. I'm not planted in the house of God. I'm not planted in the word of God. I'm not planted in who he is for my circumstances. I'm not planted in who he is to be able to flourish. So I'm potted over here. So then what happens is because I'm plotted, I want to see the fruit, so I makeshift my own fruit. So now I'm gonna make up the fruit that I want to see. So instead of joy, I create happiness for myself, whatever that means. If I'm going to chase money here, if I'm gonna chase life here, if I'm going to have this job or that job or do this with my family or leave my family or whatever makes me happy, that's the fruit that I'm gonna replace with joy because I'm not connected to the source where I can get joy. So I'm gonna produce a makeshift version of it myself. So I'm gonna chase whatever brings me peace in the moment. I'm gonna chase wherever I feel loved in the moment. I'm gonna chase wherever I feel like I'm in control in the moment. And so we're gonna chase all of these makeshift things that are not God because I want that fruit, I desire that fruit. So I'm chasing it on my own, in my own strength and in the flesh. So the spirit gives life, life, but the flesh profits nothing. And so I'm gonna go in the flesh and I'm gonna, I'm gonna have all this makeshift fruit in my life because I'm not planted where I can actually just bear the fruit that God created me to bear. But here's what happens with our fake fruit. If we go on, it says, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. Treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. So God says, I see that you're saying that you are pursuing joy, but you're not. That's not what's being produced because I can see the root. I can get to the root. Because that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So we can appear however we want to be but God knows the truth. God knows what's really on the inside of us. God knows really what we're seeking, what we're rooted in, and where we're grounded. God knows these things. We can put on an appearance for people, but it's not doing us any good. All right, let's read it in the New King James. Same scripture. I just like how the message says it a little better. So verses, when we start reading in five, verses five or six, are the results of living a potted lifestyle. Verses seven and eight are the results of living a planted lifestyle. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Remember, the spirit gives life, the flesh profits nothing. And we can read all through the New Testament how the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And it's this battle that's going on because our flesh, it says that there's actually no good in it. That there's no good. Your flesh will never desire to please God. In and of itself, it will never desire to please God. It will never desire to be in the word of God. It will never desire to spend time in prayer. It will never desire to do what it takes to see the harvest on the other side. It will never desire to align our family up with the standard of the word of God so that we can see what God has for us and walk in the land that he has for us. Our flesh will never desire that on its own, but our spirit will. But where we're planted is going to feed the desires of one or the other. Something's gonna be fed. If it takes root, it's gonna produce fruit, good or bad. If it takes root, it's going to produce fruit, good or bad. Whose heart departs from the Lord. It says that they draw near to me with their lips, but their mouths are far from me, or their hearts are far from me. They draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That we can come to God, we can say all the right words, but our hearts aren't even, aren't even, aren't even there because they've departed from God. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes. Here's what that part amazes me. It doesn't say that good doesn't come to their lives. It doesn't say. It says that they shall not see when good comes. We serve a God that can only do good. It says that not one good thing does he withhold from us. That is who he is. So it is natural for him to give goodness to us. It is natural for him to want to bless his children. It is, and again, we're talking to Christians here. We are not talking to like sinner, I haven't received Jesus. We're talking to Christians here. So it's saying, no, here's the thing is that good is coming to you because you're my son, because you're my daughter, 
There is goodness and I will not withhold goodness from you. But because of where you're planted, because of where you're positioned, because of what your source is, because of what you're pursuing, because of those things, you don't even see when good comes. The good things that I'm trying to bless you with, you don't see them. You completely miss them because of where we're planted. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Won't even be anxious in the year of drought. So regardless of the circumstance, this person knows where they're planted. Whether it's hot, whether it's cold, whether it's dry, whether it's wet, whatever's going on, it doesn't matter. I'm not anxious about it. I'm not nervous about it because I know where I'm planted and I know my source. And then I'm not moved. We weren't created to be tossed to and fro. We weren't created to be blown around by everything that happens in life. We were created to stand firm. We were created to be immovable. We were created to be steadfast all throughout the word of God. Those are the words that you see. Be strong and be courageous. Be unmoved. Be steadfast. Build on a firm foundation so when the storms come, you will not be moved. That's what we see over and over and over in the word of God, to not be moved. He even says that I am sending you, that, that I'm coming And I'm going to sin that anything that is going to be shaken will be wiped away because I'm sending a kingdom that will not be shaken, that his kingdom not even be shaken. And so he's created us to be a people that are unshaken. A potted plant will always be shaken. A potted plant will always be affected. Something that's planted though, it's not going to do. Why? Because it's rooted in the right thing. Because it's rooted and the deeper the roots go, the stronger it grows up. The uh, building even. You can't have a crazy high building without a crazy deep foundation. But the thing about our root system and when we're looking at potted and we're looking at planted, the thing that's so important is that the roots are beneath the surface. They're not the things that are visible to the eye. Our root system matters and our root system is important to God because what's beneath the surface of our lives are going to determine what is produced on the outward of our lives. And so what does our prayer time look like behind the scenes where no one can see? What does our mouth look like behind the scenes where no one can see? What does our word time look like behind the scenes when no one can see? What does our our thinking look like? What, What things are we watching? What things are we hearing? What things do we entertain? What atmospheres do we put ourselves in? What do we do behind the scenes beneath the surface? And what fruit is it producing? Because if it takes root, it's going to produce fruit. And behind the scenes, we could be filling ourselves with things that gratify the flesh, that satisfy our flesh, and that are completely contrary to the word of God. And so then we're producing fruit out here, but then we're saying all the right words, and we're, we have the appearance of something, but we're moved every time a circumstance happens. We're moved every time th- things don't work out. We can't see when good things come. I'm a victim. It's everyone else's fault. And we live life that way. Instead, we could be building something beneath the surface that's producing fruit out here that isn't moved. That fruit's being produced when fruit shouldn't be produced. When there's strength, when there shouldn't be strength. When there's peace, when there shouldn't be strength or peace. Why? Because it's all dependent on what happens beneath the surface. So what takes place beneath the surface of our lives? Our root system matters. When you read about even prayer, when God, when the disciples said, you know, teach us to pray and Jesus is teaching them to pray, it says that um, he who uh, sees in secret will reward you openly. It says don't go out here and, and pray and say all the right words and make a scene of yourself. But instead you pray behind the scenes. You fast behind the scenes. You give behind the scenes. Because those things that you do behind the scenes that are in secret, God's gonna reward you openly. You're gonna see a flourishment of your life and your family. We serve a generational God. So the things that you do behind the surface are gonna affect the generations that follow you. They're gonna affect your family. They're going to, because God's going to produce a harvest on the seeds that we plant. But so is the enemy. So if we're planting for our flesh, we're gonna reap that way. When we plant for the spirit, we're gonna reap that way. So are we potted? Or are we planted? Let's look at the characteristics of each. These are characteristics of physical plants. And 
I'm not a green thumb. I'm a professional plant killer. Like, I kill cactus. I, I try hard. It's not for lack of effort, but it's going to die if it's alive. Like, my yard, my trees, they just die. Orin has to take care of them if we have them. Then they live longer. But I can't. I don't know. I try really hard. I have no green thumb. That was not inherited trait. My mom can make anything grow. I cannot. It's not something I have. So I buy fake plants at my house. But, so I had to, you know, do extra research because none of this I actually know. I'm like, huh, is that so? They would have still died. But if we look at the characteristics, we're going to look at the characteristics of a potted plant and we're going to look at the characteristics of a planted plant, okay? I want us to be the plant, though. So as we're talking about these, I don't want you to think about your daisies or your roses or other things that people grow. I don't want you to think about those. I want you to think about you. You are the plant in this situation, okay? All right, potted characteristics. So the first thing is that they're movable. Potted plants are movable. You can move them into the sun. You can move them out of the sun. Orin put our Christmas tree in a stand last night. My dogs couldn't get to their water. I picked up said tree and just relocated it. It came out, okay? It was very movable. Actually, that was the second tree. The first tree blew out of the back of our pickup without us knowing. Um, <laughs> So if you picked up a tree yesterday from Alamosa Canyon down, it's my tree. Merry Christmas. It's a nice tree. Probably the best one I've ever had. It was short-lived. But that tree's gone. Why? Because it wasn't planted. It was sitting in the back of my pickup. And it blew out because the winds came and the storms came and the tree went. And so then Orin had to harvest another tree. I bought my permits, so nobody judge. But the second Christmas tree, I did move over in my living room. When we went to get that tree, I could not pick it up out of the ground and set it over here. It's rooted, it's planted, it's firm. The wind was blowing up there too. My Christmas tree was just fine when it was in the ground. It failed when it got in the back of my pickup, okay? That's when the tree failed, when it was uprooted. So it's movable. Are we movable? When circumstances happen, when winds blow, when hard things come, when good things come, are we movable? When we hear something we don't want to hear, when we read something in the Word of God that we don't want to really agree with because our flesh really doesn't like it, when we have accountability in our life that speaks truth, and it's not what we want to hear, but it's what we need to hear, do we just move? Do we uproot? Do we relocate ourselves? Are we blown around by everything? This is happening over here. This is happening over here. And we're just moved and tossed and thrown by whatever's going on. The, we have a bunch of friends at the finals right now, and there was a shooting on Thursday in Vegas, uh, Wednesday. Um, and we got messages and we got phone calls, but a couple of them that I got said, we don't actually know if we're gonna be able to stay here. I, I'm supposed to be here for the next few days, but they're, everyone's afraid, everyone's in fear. I don't know that I can mentally stay here. Okay, those are real things. Those are things that happen. But my encouragement to her was, hey, but we gotta be grounded in the word of God. We gotta be grounded in who he is and not be tossed around by what everyone else is feeling. Because a lot of it wasn't even the emotion she was feeling, it was the emotion of everyone around her was what it came down to. How are we with that? Are we moved? Are we moved over here into fear? Are we moved into here into anxiety? Are we moved over here into anger? Are we moved by the things that happen around us or are we solid, are we firm? Because a plant that's planted doesn't move no matter what comes its way, it's staying there. Because it's got a root system, it's solid. Potted plants have a controlled environment. If it's too hot, they get moved. If it's too cold, they get moved. But they can control the environment around them. Some of us will naturally create a life that we can control everything that comes in and everything that comes out. That I want to be in control of the bad that comes. I want to be in control of the good that comes. I want to be in control of who gets close to me. I want to be in control of what even God is allowed to do in my life and say in my life. I want to be in control of the circumstance. Potted plants are in control. Planted plants are not. Planted plants are just submitted to what's going on. That's a planted plant. 
Potted plants are in control of their environment. Potted plants thrive in a man-made container. They thrive in a man-made container. If we think about putting a plant in the ground, that's the ground. I got, it's just there. Whatever's coming is coming. But a potted plant will thrive in a man-made container. But then the other thing is it also has to have man-made food. So it's gotta be, if we think about ourselves and we're the plant, then it's self-sufficient. I'm, man is my source, I'm my source. I'm my source for my safety and my environment and where I'm planted. I'm my source of what I'm gonna eat and what I'm not gonna eat, what I'm gonna feed on and what I'm not. God doesn't get to tell me what I'm gonna feed on. I'm gonna tell me what I'm gonna feed on. And so I'm self-sufficient, I'm dependent on me, just like we just read in, in Jeremiah when it says that just, I can do it in muscle alone. I can do it by myself, I'm solely dependent on man. And so in my potted environment, but then here's what happens. When that potted plant with its man-made shelter and its man-made soil gets watered, it will actually produce toxic waste. So I wonder in our lives, when we get watered by what we're truly supposed to be watered with, being the word of God, being the atmosphere of being planted in the house, of, of those things, when we get watered with what we actually need, when some water comes, do we produce toxic waste? Or do we produce fruitfulness to the environment around us? What's being produced? If we're potted, it's toxic. If we're planted, it actually is fruitful to what's around you. Crazy, right? So what are we, potted or planted? If we keep going. Um, potted plants have limited growth because they have limited depth. They have limited depth. And there's two things that I have to say with that. The first of all is a potted plant can obviously only go so deep. So you have two choices. You can trim the roots, which will then create a dwarfed plant, and we'll get to that in a second. Or you just let the roots go. The roots will go and go and go until it strangles itself because they can't ever get deep enough to cause growth. And so if we are a potted Christian, a potted Christian in our man-made environments, in our controlled environments, and we're movable, then my roots, I'm trying to grow, but they're never gonna be in something solid. They were never meant to be in a pot. They were meant to be where God has created for us to thrive. And so when I put myself in my own man-made potted environment where I'm self-reliant and reliant on man, then the roots that I'm trying to plant, I'm trying to apply the word of God. I'm trying to see what God has to say. I'm trying to apply the word in this situation. I'm trying to be obedient. I'm trying, I'm trying to grow. I'll actually get frustrated to the point that I, the potted plant will actually strangle itself and die because the roots will just keep growing. We'll get frustrated to the point. I hope you don't physically strangle yourself, but we get frustrated to the point because I can't grow, I can't grow, I can't grow where it just feels like it strangles the growth out of us that I'm just done. I'm not gonna grow anymore, I'm done. That's a potted plant. Whereas a planted plant, those roots can go as deep as they wanna go. And the deeper they go, the more fruit and the higher that plant can grow. There's no limit, there's no capacity. The other option when those roots are trimmed is you create what's called well, you can create what's called a bonsai tree. A bonsai tree can be any tree, any tree that you want. And all you do is you take that little tree and you put it in a pot and you trim its roots and you trim its roots and you trim its roots and it will have the appearance, the features of the real life tree. It may be a pine tree, it can be a cedar tree, it can be an aspen tree, it can be a peach tree, whatever you want it to be. You can take that and plant it and you'll have a mini version of what you would see in real life because you've trimmed its roots. Kind of cute and adorable, right? You can create one of those, but you trim its roots and its potential and its growth is, is limited. Can't grow anymore. It becomes a dwarfed version of the real thing. It has the appearance, but it's a dwarfed version and it's capped out. So if we're a plant and we decide, I'm only going this deep with God. I'm gonna live in a surface level Christianity. I'm only going this deep into being planted in my church. I'm only going this deep into the relationships that God has for me. I'm only going this deep into my relationship with God because I wanna stay in my controlled environment and I don't wanna go too deep. 
So I'm only allowing myself to be rooted so far. You're a Christian. You're absolutely going to heaven. You'll just be an adorable little dwarfed version of the real thing God had for you. You're cute and saved. And that's what we got going. And you'll go to heaven. But the potential that God had, the growth that he had, and then the reach of your roots that he had for other people in the body of Christ, for your sphere of influence, for your family, that was all sabotaged as well. It's cut off and our adorable appearance gets to go to heaven. That, that's, what our, that's, what our, that's what we're left with because we're potted instead of planted. It takes more effort and maintenance than designed to take care of a potted plant during, versus a planted plant. Potted plants are isolated. They literally cannot connect with other people. They can't. And usually, depending on the kinds, and again, I'm not a plant expert, but I've been told if you put two different kinds in the same pot, they kill each other. Because potted plants are isolated plants. So potted plants thrive on their own. They're not going to be connected to anyone. They're not going to build deep relationships, even with family. I'm my own person. I got my own thing going, and I'm just happy in my pot. That's not how we were created to be in the body of Christ. Planted plants, some of the strongest trees, are because their root systems are intertwined and connected to each other, and they're feeding on the same sources. That's the strength. God says that we are the body of Christ, that we are many members but one body. Okay, has anyone ever tried? I don't think so because I don't see anyone missing fingers or hands or something. But have you ever tried to cut off your hand because you didn't like how it was working connected to you and just use it separately? No one's tried that? Like, I think it would work better if I had full control. Like, I don't have enough control, so I'm going to cut it off and I'm gonna make this hand do everything that it's supposed to do, connected to me, just disconnected from me. No one's tried it. It probably wouldn't work out so well, would it? Plus it's nasty and stinky and toxic, right? Okay, it's not gonna work, but a potted plant tries to be just that in the body of Christ. I wanna be the hand that doesn't have to connect to you. I stink and I'm toxic. And I'm not ever going to do what I was created to do. But I want to try to do my part in my isolated place. I'm just the hand over here. I don't need to be connected anywhere. I don't need relationships. I don't need friendships. I don't need a church. I don't need to serve in my church. I, don't need, I want to be disconnected from the body of Christ and be effective. That's a potted plant. A planted plant says, no, no. I'm 1,000% connected because my fingers work so much better when they're connected to my body. It's incredible. I don't think I could do this with them not connected to me. We work so much better when we're connected. The Bible says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It says that we are the body. It talks about unity over and over and over. We were meant for relationship. We were created for relationship. We were created for community. We weren't created for isolation. The Bible never tells us to be isolated it does say to come out from among them and be separate, but it never says to be isolated. And separated and isolated are two very different things. We're not going to go there because that's a whole chemistry thing. Potted characteristics are dependent on man. We said that at the beginning, dependent on man. Planted characteristics are dependent on God. Because I'm here, I'm planted. Where I'm supposed to be planted, you think about a plant planted outside, in a field, wherever, it's just there. Like, it just, like, hopefully it gets provided for, right? It's out there. That's where I'm fully trusting on God, that I'm planted here. I'm staying here. I'm having a root system here. And I got to trust God that he's going to provide for me. I got to trust God that I'm going to flourish because I'm planted. Because I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to produce fruit, and I'm going to grow higher and higher and higher. Because my roots are growing deeper and deeper and deeper. So why do our roots even matter? To God. The first thing was because it's beneath the surface. But the second thing is because the fruit we produce. Question. Does anybody have a fruit tree? Oh. Oh, you guys do. 
Look, they're successful at keeping things alive. Um, <clears throat> does your tree eat its own fruit? No. Trees don't eat their own fruit. Everyone else eats the fruit off the tree, right? So our root system matters because the fruit isn't for you. It's for the people around you. It's for your family. It's for generations that follow you. It's for the people that God has placed in your sphere of influence. It's for the people that are below you. It's for the people that are above you. Your fruit is for the people around you. Why? Because when we have godly fruit, A, it glorifies him. B, other people can eat of his goodness just because I chose to be rooted. So you don't, your fruit's not for you. But if it takes root, it's gonna produce fruit. But then here's the other side. If I'm rooted in the wrong things, if beneath the surface of my life I'm rooted in things that are fleshly, I'm rooted in things that are man-made, I'm rooted in things that are not genuine, that are not according to the word of God, then I'm still producing fruit because if it takes root, it's gonna produce fruit. I'm producing fruit and everyone else has eaten that too. So what kind of fruit are we producing in our lives? Fruit matters to God. And he... We call it in our, in our classrooms, we have magnifying glasses and we do fruit inspections on our friends before we make them our friends. Why do we do fruit inspections? Because fruit doesn't lie. If a tree is consistently producing rotten fruit, you don't have to dig to the middle of the tree, find its heart, and find out if it has a good heart or a bad heart. If it's producing bad fruit, it's a bad tree, right? If it's producing good fruit, it's a good tree. A tree is known by its fruit, and fruit matters. A good tree won't produce bad fruit. A bad tree won't produce good fruit. What fruit are we producing in our lives? We don't need to say God knows our heart. We don't got to dig that deep. If the fruit stinks, something beneath the surface stinks. We're rooted in something that isn't lining up with the word of God, or we would be producing godly fruit. So what fruit is coming in our lives? What are the people around us eating on? Are they eating on hope? Are they eating on love? Are they eating on joy? Are they eating on kindness? Are they eating on gentleness? What are they eating? Or are they eating anger and fear and anxiety? What are they eating? Or are they eating the fruit that God has and the fruit that God has to offer? Because when we're rooted in him, then he's gonna come out of us because that's what we're feeding on. When I plant something in a field over there, it's not going to be eating from the fruit over there or the field over there. It's going to eat where it's planted. So if I am planted in the word of God, if I am planted in Christ, if I am planted in his house, then that's what I'm feeding on. That's what I'm eating on, which means that's going to be what is causing growth, what is causing depth, what is causing fruit. But if I'm planted somewhere else, then I can't look over and go, I think I'm gonna take my pot to that field and hopefully not produce toxic waste anymore just because I'm in the field. We gotta be eating on where we're planted. We're not gonna produce fruit that is contrary to where we're planted. And so our fruit matters. It makes a big difference. Um, let's look at John 15. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me. Doesn't say the ones that know about me. It said every branch in me, because we're talking about being planted. Potted plants can only know about him. They're not potted and rooted in him. Planted plants are rooted in him. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that he may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. What happens when we abide in him? And I in you, right? So sometimes we want God to abide in us. We want his word to abide in us. We want the fruit to abide in us. We want the blessing to abide. We want all of those things. But we're not going to have in us where we're not planted because we can't eat on something that we're not planted in. We're gonna eat on the environment that we're uh, planted in. Um, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. He's glorified when we bear fruit. So why does our root system matter to God? Because our fruit glorifies him. Because our fruit causes us to bear more fruit. Because our fruit brings glory to who he is to the people around us. Our fruit matters. Here's the second reason. The second reason that our roots matter is because we're gonna go through things. John 16, says that in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. If we are planted in the world, all we're gonna see is the trouble. But then it says, but take heart. Or, or, because in me, I have overcome the world. In me, you may have peace, for I have overcome the world. Sorry, I'm like, there's another part of that scripture I did not get to. Take heart, because in me, you have peace. In the world, you only have trouble. In me, it doesn't take the trouble away, but you have peace, because he has overcome the world. Where we're planted matters. Where we're rooted matters. We're gonna face things. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces patience. It matters where we're rooted. It matters where we're planted. And if I could put this another way, I'm a basketball fan. I loved playing basketball. I ref basketball. I've coached basketball. I love basketball. But one of the things that kept coming to mind when I'm thinking about being planted um, is that whenever you're planted in basketball, you're at the advantage. Wherever you're moving when you're not supposed to be moving in basketball, you're at a disadvantage and you actually give the advantage to the other team. Here's, here's the thing. Sometimes maybe we feel like we're on defense and the enemy is like coming at us, right? And he just keeps scoring and keeps scoring and I'm playing defense and he like, I just, I can't win. I don't have the ball. I feel like I'm at a total disadvantage in this situation. So the enemy's coming. If I plant myself, take a charge. Did I get hit? Yeah. Did it hurt? Uh, maybe. Depends on the charge. But sometimes we're going to take some hits. The enemy did have the advantage until I stayed planted, and now I get the ball. And all I did was stay planted. And now I'm at the advantage. But if that same thing happened, and I allow the enemy to hit me and I move, and I'm not planted, normally they end up getting free shots that they should not have been able to get to take. And who gave them that? Me because I didn't stay planted. If I'm on offense and we think about being planted, anybody ever been in a situation that you feel like there's so much going on? I have a big decision to make. I don't know what the right decision is. I, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know how to make decisions. I don't, I don't know which one to choose. I don't know what to do. And this can be this huge, huge thing that can move us. But if we stay planted Guys, there's answers and answers. It says that the, the counsel of the Lord, that that's what stands. That we can have the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of men. That God gives us wisdom in deciding things and making decisions and making calls that we need to make. And in a basketball game, if I catch the ball, I'm at a point that they call it triple threat. And as long as one of my feet are planted, whichever one you want to plant, but you got to stay planted, I can make the decision, I can dribble, I can pass, I can shoot. I have the ability to make these decisions. But the second I pick up my feet and I don't stay planted, I don't even get the option to make that decision anymore. The decision is gone and the enemy gets the ball back. And so now I've handed over my advantage that I had because I chose not to be planted. And there's so many, so many situations that we can talk about and being planted, uh, just physical situations, the importance of being planted, but it matters to be planted. There's a guy named Shama in the Bible, and he's one of my favorite guys, and he has a short little excerpt just about his life. But he was guarding his bean patch, and he was one of David's mighty men, and it says that the enemy was coming, and all he had was a patch of beans. And so logically... All the people are like, forget your beans, dude. Like, cut, tell, and run. The enemy is after us. We got to go. And it said that he staked himself into his bean patch so he couldn't leave. He staked himself so that he would not be moved. And here's why. 
It's because he said, this is mine. This was given to me. It is mine. It does not belong to the enemy. It belongs to me. And that was his claim that he made. And it was on something that seemed insignificant to everyone else around him. It was a stand that he was making that seemed silly. It was a stand that he was making for something that was simple. It wasn't this big, grand thing. It was a bean patch, something that doesn't matter. And I wonder how many bean patches in our lives that when the enemies come in, the circumstances come in, do we cut tail and run? Or do we go... If God said it's mine, it's mine. And I'm gonna stake myself to it and I'm not going to move. A potted plant runs. A planted plant says, I'm here for the long haul. But what are those little things that matter? Do we just hand the enemy over our marriage? Do we just hand the enemy over our kids? Do we just hand the enemy over our mind? Do we hand him over our peace? Do we hand him over our health? Do we, do we hand him over these things and go, oh, it is what it is. It was inevitable, I'm too tired to fight. Or because of being planted in the word, being planted in the house, being planted in the things that we are supposed to be planted in, we say, no, I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand for the things that seem insignificant. I'm gonna stand when everyone says, it doesn't matter how you talk, it doesn't matter what you listen to, it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you hear, it doesn't matter what you're watching, it doesn't matter what atmospheres you put yourself in, it doesn't matter that your kids go to that or go to that or around these people. It doesn't matter that that's a standard in your life or not a standard in your life. It doesn't matter how you treat your spouse. It doesn't matter how, you can fill in the blank with whatever it might be. How many bean patches have we left something that was ours? Something that was ours that we left aside so that the enemy could have it because we chose to be moved and we put the enemy at an advantage in our life. Something that was yours. That we go, no, I choose to be like Shama. And whatever storm comes, this is my bean patch. And I'm staying here. And I don't care who runs. I don't care who leaves. I don't care who says it's insignificant. I don't care who says it doesn't matter. Because here's the thing. Most of the areas that anyone will ever come against you in your life are a standard of the word of God that they will compromise. One that you are trying to uphold. That it matters what's watched in my house. It's mattered what comes out of my mouth. It matters what's in my mind. It matters it matters, it matters, it matters. And those little things make a big difference. And it's the little things in the word of God that the world compromises around you and says it doesn't matter. And those little bean patches after little bean patches after little bean patches, you will give the enemy complete advantage in your life because you're a potted plant and you'll always cut tail and run when things get hard. Or we choose to be planted in the word of God and go no matter what comes my way, that's my standard. I don't have to like it but that's my standard and little things matter and little things matter to God. And we see that over and over and over when he says, if you're faithful with this much, if you're faithful with a mustard seed, if you're faithful, what little things matter to God because little things are what inevitably end up being big things. So be a shama. And then let's go to Genesis 2.8. Why do roots matter? Well, because they originated with God. But I want us to see a picture of how things originated. And it says, the Lord God planted a garden. The Lord God planted a garden. So when we say that we're planted, here's the thing. God planted, and then the next line, it says, there he put man whom he had formed. There he put man whom he had formed. Another translation says placed. The definition of planted a garden and placed man or put man is the same. It is to firmly fix or to firmly position. So he planted a garden and then he planted man in that garden. That is how God created us to thrive. Is that he planted them in the garden or he planted the garden. Everything that they could need. Bible tells us that he gives us everything that we need for life and godliness, that we shall not lack, that we shall not want for any good thing. He has planted a garden for us to thrive in. Here's the thing though. The garden that we have is that are we planted in the word? Because that's what feeds us. That's what waters us. Are we planted in him? Do we know his voice? Are we planted in his house? 
Are we planted in love? Those are the four areas it tells us to be planted and to be rooted in throughout the word of God. So are we planted in those areas? Because that's our garden. He has planted us there to be able to thrive and to be able to flourish. But then he planted that for us, but then he planted us in that. But then there's our part. Because he didn't just put man in the garden and say, well, I don't know, I guess chill for eternity. <laughs> Enjoy the water landscape. The plants won't die. That's not where God put them. That's not what he said to do. He said, I've, I've planted you here. Now I need you to care and tend for everything that I have planted. I need you to care and I need you to tend to it. Because we have a part to play. The Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It says that um, God wants to work in and through us, not work for us. He wants to work with us. He wants to partner with us. And so we've been given a garden. We've been placed in this garden. Now here's where it is to us. We can care and tend to the things that he's given us. Meaning, I can care and I can tend to this word. Meaning, I can apply this word to my life. I can spend time in the word. I can apply the word. I can believe the word. I can obey the word. I can submit to the word, regardless of how my flesh feels. Meaning, I can care and tend to my relationship with him. That it's not 42 seconds a day. I had to remember I mixed my numbers up. It's not 42 seconds a day. I can't maintain a relationship with 42 seconds a day. But I'm gonna care and I'm gonna tend to this relationship, meaning I'm gonna talk, but I'm also gonna listen and I'm gonna obey the things that I'm told. But then also, there's being planted in the house. Those that are planted in the house shall flourish, not those who visit the house will flourish. Those who are planted in the house will flourish. If I'm planted there, that means that what's going on there is what's feeding me, but what's being produced in my life, the growth in my life is supposed to feed right back into it. So am I serving in my house that I'm planted? Because that's when I'm gonna flourish. That's when the fruit of God is glorified. Or am I just a detender of the house? One will make us flourish, one will not. What fruit do we want to see? And then are we rooted, are we grounded in love? If we go to, um, let me just catch up in my notes really quick because I skipped that one, but I want to actually go there. Sorry, give me one second. Uh, Ephesians 3.17. And it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ with Patch's knowledge. Okay, it isn't until we're grounded in love that I'm planted there, that I'm gonna be able, <coughs> excuse me, to know the width, the height, and the depth of his love. Sometimes we try so hard that I wanna know your love for me, I wanna know your love for me, I wanna know your love for me, I wanna know your love for me. And we're pursuing to find out how much God loves us, but we never actually root ourselves and ground ourselves in love first. But then here's the other thing, is that if we keep reading, it says, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Okay, I can't be filled with the fullness of God until I'm first planted in him. When I choose to be planted somewhere else or I choose to be plotted, I'll never know that fullness. I want to know the fullness of God. But then if we keep reading, we get to a scripture that is very, very common and very commonly prayed. And it says, now he, not to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. Many of us pray and we stop right there. And that's the portion of prayer that we pray. That you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or imagine. We pray that over our jobs. We pray that over decisions. We pray that over situations. We pray that. But if we finish the scripture, it says, according to the power that is at work within us. According to the power that is at work, with, work within us. What power is at work within you? It's dependent on where you're rooted because we can't take scripture out of context. I told first service that <clears throat> any text without a context is just the con. And so if we read before, it says, 
um, that you may fit, be filled with all fullness of God. Well, the fullness of God is equal to the power of God that's gonna be at work within us, yeah? So if I'm not grounded in him first, if I'm not rooted in him first and feeding on the things that he's gonna have me to feed on, feeding on his word, feeding on his voice, feeding on the body that he's created me to be on, if I'm not grounded in him first and rooted in him first, then I've made no room for the fullness of him to even be in me. So he is in fact able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. But if there's no power at work within us, we're not gonna see it. But if I'm rooted there first, then I see it. Does that make sense? All right, I'm gonna wrap up with these last two scriptures. Two things. Uh, let's go to Luke 13, six. Sometimes we can get to a place where we feel like, and maybe even today, of going, I, I, I feel like I've been potted. I don't feel like I've been planted. I feel like I've limited. I've just had a surface level Christianity. I feel like I'm moved when every situation it comes my way. I feel like I've got to be in control. I can't ever let God be in control. That I'm very, very, very much so. I live a Christian life that is dependent on me and my flesh and what I want and what I don't want. That that's the kind of life that I live. So I have all the characteristics of a potted plant. I'm not seeing the fruit that I want to see. So now what? Well, now what is we replant? And now what is maybe we dig around a little bit and we find the roots of things that are causing fruit not to be bared. Maybe we cause, find the roots that we've been cutting off because we only wanna go so deep. And we allow God to help us with that. But if we go to Luke, oh, I went to 6.13. Told you, I mixed up my numbers. Let's go to 13.6. And we'll see that we serve a merciful God. We serve a God that empowers us with grace. And it says, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, look for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? Why does it use up the ground? My question to us and challenge to us and maybe a caution to us is what fruit's being produced in our life? If we were that plant, what would God say about the fruit being produced in our life? I came to get fruit. Do we have any? Do we have any that's glorifying him if he looks at what we've been feeding our family? The people around us? Is it fruit that glorifies him? Or is he saying, why is it using up the ground? Get rid of the tree. Where are we at? This is a real message for us to really be able to look and go, where am I at? Am I planted or am I potted? Am I expecting the benefits of God without actually doing the work of planning myself and spending the time that I need to more than 26 and 42 seconds a day? Or do I just isolate myself and do my own thing? But then the, the caretaker of the vineyard, it says, but he answered to him and said, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. Where we also serve a God that says, but when you want to repent, we serve a God that says, when you want help, we serve a God that says, when you need some assistance, maybe get implanted where we need to be planted, uprooting the things that need to be uprooted in our lives, identifying some fruit, doing an inspection in our life, we serve a God that says, in those times, yeah, I'm gonna help you. I'm not gonna just have you do it. I'm gonna help you. We're gonna partner with it. We're gonna add some fertilizer. We're gonna dig up some things that need to be dug up. And now let's flip over and let's look at Isaiah 37, 31. And it says, and the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. You guys can go ahead and stand with me. It says, shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. We're created to take root downward and bear fruit upward. But here's what's important about this here is this is an Isaiah. It's also in 2 Kings, I believe. Um, but the same, the same passage is in there. It's in there twice. 
And the reason it's in there is because Israel had done messed up again. It's like this cycle of them just like missed it by that much again. They love God, they walked away. They loved God, they walked away. Okay, it's like the theme of the Old Testament, right? But what it's saying there is that it says there's a remnant. There's a group. There's a group that are gonna say, God, we want you. We wanna come back to you. We wanna do things your way. We wanna be planted where we need to be planted. So it says there's a remnant. There's some people that want it. And again, meaning this is another chance, right? It's another chance. And again, that they take root downward and bear fruit upward. So in any area of our life that we say, I don't, I don't know that I'm planted. Maybe it's just in general. I feel like I'm a potted plant. Maybe it's that I feel like there's some roots that maybe I've cut off and I've just lived surface level. Maybe it's that I'm absolutely planted. 